and I was weak. Goodness, goodness. Let me hear this side. One, two, three. That might, that might be the wink link. Let's see this side. One, two, three. I'll give you guys another, ch- another chance, another chance. One, two, three. All right, all right. Well, welcome to Elevate. That was week two. What's going on here? What's going on here? Just uh, a quick, a quick um, reminder, right, for some of you that are in the Ambassadors. We will be doing evangelism with TJ in the truck tomorrow. No, no, no truck? Ah, it's all good. We're going to be in front of Planned Parenthood. We're going to be preaching the gospel. So come through. If you're in the ambassadors, we want you there. We want to see you there. I want to see you there, Josie. Will you be there? Then you'll probably be there. God willing, right? Everybody say unique God. Everybody say judge. Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus, right? We're going to be talking about him as judge, right? God is unique in the way that he judges. Everybody say judgment. Everybody say sin. Everybody say suffering. These are the three things we will be mentioning today because they are so tied together, right? Anybody ever done anything stupid before? Come on now. Come on, Kiki. Come on, AJ. You did? Come on, Brandon. Come on, Brian. Come on, Will. Oh, okay. All right. Everybody should be raising their hand because we've all done something. Two hands. I thank, thank you for that honesty, babe. So t- we've all done something bad. Now, how many of you have suffered for that? That's the real question. How many of you suffered for that? Yeah. We've all had, we've all had to face the consequences, right? Even from a young age. You know, you're just looking at someone, like, for example, uh, in my school, I'm a gym teacher, and I teach, like, from pre-K to eighth grade, and I'm teaching the kids how to play Duck, Duck, Goose at three years old. Real funny. They don't know how to make a circle. So it's like I have to tell them, sit here for the circle. But either way, there's this one kid named Darvis, and he's funny. He's funny. All of a sudden, right, we're playing, and it's almost like the, the end of the day, and I'm looking, at, I'm looking to the right, and all of a sudden, someone just throws a rock at my head. And I'm just like, I look around like, what's going on here? Who just threw that? So then one kid, he's real smart. He's like, that was Darvis. And Darvis is like, like, struck. And I'm like, was that you? He's like, I'm like, was that you, Darvis? And then the kid's like, that was Darvis. I'm like, all right, so I take him to his, uh, I take him to his teacher, and uh, his teacher, uh, you know, takes him, and I'm like, hey, by the way, Someone threw a rock at me. They're playing Duck, Duck, Goose. I really don't know who it was, but everyone's saying it was Darvis, so I think it was him. He said no, but you should talk to him. So later in that day, uh, Darvis gets picked up by his mom, and she brings him up to me, and he gives me a note. Basically, he's saying sorry. And it's like in that kid note, he's like, sorry, I threw a rock. So, but Darvis had to face the consequences. He does something real dumb, right? He threw a rock at his teacher. You don't, you don't, you don't try to stone your teacher. I, I, I promise you, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't yelling. I was just trying to teach him how to play Duck, Duck, Goose, and a rock hit me. He had to face the consequences, though. I remember being that young, and I learned early on, if I talked back to my mom, I was going to slap. 
that's abuse now, so I won't do that to my kid. But, you know, it's just, that will, that's what was happening, okay? I would get the belt, right? If I talk back a little bit too much, right, then I would have to get in the bath, take a bath, come out butt naked, and get hit with the belt. That was my, that was my story of getting the consequences, suffering for my sin, right? So here's the thing is that sin causes suffering, your wrongdoings will cause suffering. And there's a thing called judgment. You will be judged for that. You'll be judged for that. And we see that even here on earth. We see if a criminal steals something, they are going to suffer the consequences. And in doing so, they appear before a judge. It's the court of law, right? Now, the thing is, there is a cosmic reality. There is a supernatural, a spiritual reality to this as well because what comes first, the crime or the law? Do people first realize it is a crime before they make it a law? Or people do, do people make it a law and then it becomes a crime? See, we have to think like that. A lot of people say, well, it's only wrong because people say it's wrong. Why did people begin to say it's wrong? You understand what I'm saying? People say it's only wrong because it's, it's only wrong to lie and steal, right? Because you'll get in trouble for it. Why did people start getting in trouble for it? Oh, it's only wrong to kill someone because the law says it's wrong to kill someone. Well, why did the law say that? Now, we have to understand that there is a greater accountability than your parents, than even the law, and that is God. He's the one that will hold you accountable for your sin. He's the one that will judge you. Tupac was partially right, right? If you listen to Tupac, right, every time, man, like, if you ever put only God can judge me, it's a Tumblr photo of Tupac just like that, and then in pink letters, only God can judge me, right? And it it sounds real cool, man. Like, like that's a good comeback if someone's like, hey, man, like, what are you doing with your life? Only God can judge me, bro. Like, dude, I just care, care for you. Hey, only God can judge me. Right? It's a good comeback. It's like it's kind of true, right? I mean, the Bible says we can judge others, right? The true righteously. But at the end of the day, judgment belongs to one. That's God. But I don't think people know what they're saying when they say this. I don't think they really want to be judged by God. Because if you think being judged by your peers is going to mess up your self-esteem, wait until you get judged by God. Your self-esteem will be the least thing you're concerned about. Your soul is what you'll be concerned about. Judgment by God is one of the things he is known as the judge. The judger, the, the, he's going to judge all the earth in righteousness. Now, many religions will speak on this, and the, the, the reason why I'm talking about sin, suffering, and judgment when we talk about Jesus as the judge is because they're all interwoven, all interwoven. They're all connected. Sin brought about suffering. Suffering has produced even more sin. This sin in the world is in need of judgment. People like to say, why, if God is so good, why doesn't he take all the evil people out? He would have to start with this first row, right here. Then he would go to the next row. Then he would get Marco, because Marco's in the third row. Then he would get Jocelyn. He would start with us. If God wanted to really deal with evil, he would deal with all the evil people in the world first. That's what he did, but he's patient. He's patient in his judgment. So I want to play a video uh, for you guys uh, when it comes to suffering. So if we can play that really quickly. Leave this right here. I'll get off the stage so you can see it. This is uh, 
similar to the last one. DJ, play that beat. That's, uh, that's not the audio. Gavi's not in this. If we could, uh, you probably got two YouTube channels. There you go. We are all well aware of the suffering and evil in the world. Horrific suffering. Unspeakable evil. How then can anyone believe in the existence of an all-loving, all-powerful God? And if God does exist, why would anyone want to worship him? Epicurus framed the logical problem of suffering and evil like this. If God is willing to prevent evil but not able, then he's not all-powerful. If he is able to prevent evil but not willing, he is not good. But if he is both willing and able, how can evil exist? And if he is neither able nor willing, then why call him God? In other words, it's logically impossible for God and suffering to both exist. But we know full well that suffering exists. Therefore, God does not. Is this a good argument? Let's look at it more closely. Are these two statements logically inconsistent? No. Here is an example of two logical inconsistent statements. David can't be both married and a bachelor. But there is no explicit contradiction between these two statements. So there must be hidden assumptions behind this argument that would bring out the alleged contradiction. Here they are. If God is all-powerful, he can create any world he wants. And if God is all-loving, he prefers a world without suffering. So, if an all-powerful, all-loving God exists, it follows that suffering does not exist. Since suffering obviously does exist, the atheist concludes that God must not exist. But are the atheist's two hidden assumptions necessarily true? Consider the first assumption. Can God create any world he wants? What if he wants a world populated by people who have free will? It's logically impossible for God to force someone to freely choose to do good. Forcing free choices is like making a square circle. It's not logically possible. It's not that God lacks the power to perform the task. It's that the supposed task itself is just nonsense. So, it may not be feasible to create a world populated by people who always freely choose to do what is morally good. So, the first assumption is not necessarily true. Therefore, the argument fails. And what about the second assumption? Is it necessarily true that God would prefer a world without suffering? How could we possibly know this? We all know of cases where we permit suffering in order to bring about a greater good. If it's even possible that God allows suffering in order to achieve a greater good, then we cannot say this assumption is necessarily true. For the logical problem of suffering to succeed, the atheist would have to show that it's logically impossible that free will exists and that it's logically impossible that God has good reasons for permitting suffering. This burden of proof is too heavy to bear. It's quite possible that God and suffering both exist. This is why philosophers, 
Even atheist philosophers have given up on the logical problem of evil. We can concede that the problem of evil does not, after all, show that the central doctrines of theism are logically inconsistent with one another. Some philosophers have contended that the existence of evil is logically inconsistent with the existence of a theistic god. No one, I think, has succeeded in establishing such an extravagant claim. It's now acknowledged on almost all sides that the logical argument is bankrupt. But this is hardly the end of the discussion. We still need to explore the probability version of the problem of evil. All right, all right. Praise God for William Lane Craig. Uh, so if you ever want to check the part two video of that, you can if you want. But I think that's a good intro on what we're going to talk about. If we can go to the first slide, religions, well, he says God, right? So the God there, he's all-powerful, all-loving. Now, here's the thing. When we look at religions, what God is he talking about? Well, in Islam, when it comes to sin, in Islam, you're not born with sin. That's what they teach. So when it comes to Islam, you're not born with sin. You only sin and when you act on something. So you can think evil thoughts all the time. Like right now... If you're in here, you can think about, like, slapping TJ in the face all service. Just like, man, I hate that guy, man. I just want to. But if you don't slap him, you're good. Now, Jesus contradicts that because he says it's not what comes out of you, right, or what you eat that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you that defiles you. And he says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he says if even a man lusts after a woman in his own heart, he's committed adultery. If you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. So this contradicts what Jesus said. So it's, in, in Islam, you can think evil all you want, but as long as you don't act on it, you're not sinning. But the thing is, where does that sin come from? It doesn't answer the problem of sin. Where does sin now originate? Does it just magically just come upon you? Like you're walking down the day, oh man, yeah, good. Hey, good day, good day, good day. All of a sudden, you see someone, you're like, oh, I hate this guy, shank, shank, shank. That's not what, how it works. Sin originates in the heart. Now, suffering, how, what's the solution to suffering? I, they believe sin is the reason for suffering, but what's the solution? You just follow Allah's path, and your suffering will be alleviated. You do good, good will be done to you. That's what they say. The judgment. So you will be judged now if your wrongs outweigh your rights. That means if you do more good than bad. How many of you heard that, right? How many of you heard Christians say that, right? In evangelism, you're talking to someone, and then you're like, hey, if you were to die today, where would you go, heaven or hell? All of a sudden, the person says, well, I think heaven. And you're like, well, why? Well, I think I've done more good than I've done bad. Okay, so let's play it like this, right? Let's say Nathan. Let's say right now, you're the best man on earth, right? You've never done anything wrong, but you're tired of it, right, for a moment. So you see Brandon. Brandon got a nice car. So you know what you do? You just kill Brandon and take his car. There's only two things you've ever done wrong. Your bad outweighs your good, right? You've done more good. You've helped people. You've clothed people. You've sent people to college, You've jumped into lakes and saved dogs from drowning, but you killed Brandon, and you took his whip. 
If you appear before a judge, is this judge now going to say, hey, well, you've done good. I'm going to let you pass, bro. You've done a lot of good. I'll let you slide, all right? No, that's not how the judge is going to work. Let's say Emily. She's walking around, and she sees Karina, and she's like, hmm, man, I know she can cook. She's never done anything wrong before, but she just can't cook. So you know what she does? She takes Karina captive, and she makes her her chef for all her life, puts her in her basement with the kitchen. Yep, she has to, clean, has to cook all the time. She's never done anything wrong. She just kidnapped someone. She appears before a judge. What is the judge going to say? Oh, man, Emily, you're great. I mean, you, you started an orphanage. You, you fed the homeless. You even gave a dollar to your brother when he was in need. You're good. No, no, the judge is going to see, hey, you've done something evil, and you need to be judged for it. That's why in Islam they say even maybe an atheist could be saved. There's, so what's the point then? There's a contradiction in the judgment, in the sin, in the suffering. We go to Buddhism, there is no sin. But there's still morality, which makes no really sense. It's because there's no personal God. You're just kind of like trying to follow what you feel. You know, so if you feel like stepping on an ant is wrong one day, but you feel like kicking someone in the shin is not wrong one day, then hey, you know, follow how you feel. But the consequences will follow. That's the sin, the consequence of your, your actions. Now, suffering is what you get and deserve. But it's not what you get and deserve in this life. It's what you get and deserve from a previous life. And that gets into the judgment now. You, the judgment now is this. You will live as many decent lives as possible until you live a good enough life where you can escape suffering. So Islam looks to limit suffering Buddhism says you have to escape suffering. You either escape it in this life by getting filthy rich, or you escape it in the next life by being a good person. Hopefully, they give you like nirvana. Now, here's the issue. If you're an atheist, you're pretty much hoping the same thing. There is no hope for you with suffering. What is sin? Sin is nothing. What is a good deed? It's nothing. It's just chemicals in your body fizzing up to the point where you either slap someone or you help them up from the ground. It, it makes no difference. Atheists will say there's no difference between sanity or insanity, good or wrong, truth or falsehood. There's no difference. And suffering, that's just how it is. Just try to, honestly, if you're an atheist, you just get rich, as, get as rich as you can, have as much pleasure as you can before you die. There is no judge. There is no one holding you accountable. So Buddhism and atheism, I kind of put them on the same line. But Hinduism and paganism is this. Sin is ignoring the good. Or sin is actually a necessary balance. So why does someone get raped? Because it's, a necess it's necessary for the balance of the universe. It's necessary. Your family member touched you, molested you, raped you because the universe needed it to in order for there to be balance. How does that sound? What is the suffering? Suffering is necessary for balance. All right? It's necessary. You have to suffer in this life. It's, or maybe it's a play. Like God is, is orchestrating a play. The gods are just like, well, you know what? Let's have, let's have Oli, you know, just kind of like do a backflip here right into some sin. And then once she does a backflip, let's have her just do a big bow, you know, and that's her life. She's dead. Or maybe it's just karma. 
right? You get what you deserve, similar to Hinduism. That's suffering. Now, judgment, they, they, they have multiple gods. They have a god to create, like I said last time, a god to preserve, and they have a goddess to destroy and judge. And this goddess basically will say, well, you know, you're a decent, not good enough, though. you got to continue, continue to be reincarnated. You'll never be able to, to, to go into heaven until you've done what you need to do. What do you need to do? It's very vague. It's very vague. You see, when it comes to many religions, they have a lot of, there, there's some truth at times, right? Do good. Do good, and you'll kind of avoid bad. That's, that's the truth. You've heard that when you're a little, right? Hey, look both ways before crossing the street, and you won't get hit by a car. But what if you look both ways across, uh, before crossing the street, and a car on purpose, purposefully hits you? So you don't count for that. You don't count for that. Oh, hey, make sure, make sure that you always say please and thank you, okay? That'll get you far. You say please and thank you, please and thank you. But what if people just don't care if you say please or thank you? You see, manners, politeness, doing good for good to be done to you does not equate for sin. It doesn't. Whoever told you that's a liar. Just because you share, just because you, you, you say good positive things doesn't mean positive things are going to happen to you. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of negative rich people in this world. I want to let you know that. There's a lot of negative evil, rich people in this world that bad things really haven't happened to them. There's a lot of poor, suffering, positive people in this world. What, is, what, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? A lot of these religions can't answer enough for you. I've heard people say this when it came to sin. Everybody understands that you must deny yourself to pick up your cross. Everybody say deny yourself. Because yourself is a sinner. Buddha likes to tell you. Hinduism likes to tell you. New age thinkers like to tell you. Only you can find salvation within yourself. Jesus says to deny yourself. Because you and yourself are a sinner. I was watching this video uh, by Jubilee. Love those videos. There's a woman there who says this. It feels weird to deny myself. It feels weird to deny myself these cravings, these desires. That would be like sin to me. I want you to take that to the furthest extent. Let's say a pedophile is, in a play, is by a playground, and they see some kids, and they have a desire to take one of the kids and rape them. Let's say right now they have that desire. Let's take her thoughts, put it into the pedophile. Is it sin now to deny that desire? Well, according to her, Yes. If you deny what you want, what your body wants, then that's sin, according to this woman. And that's what a lot of people think sin would be, anything that causes you to be unhappy. And a lot of these religions are the same way. They just want you to be happy. In Islam, you get to heaven, you get what? 72 virgins. That's the end of your suffering. That's your reward. In Buddhism, you just get to get away from people. Right? You're just away from people because people are wrong, but yet you're not wrong because you have nirvana. Everybody's wrong but you. See, there's an error in their thinking. There's an error in their thinking. They think happiness is the state that people have to be in, and yet they're always unhappy, always searching for something. So this is what I want to let you know is that Jesus is unique. 
He's the unique judge. He's the unique judge. If we can go to the, the next slide, please. I want to let you know about Jesus as judge. For one, Jesus as judge, he bore all our sin. No other, no other, no other God, no other religion can account for that. That the judge himself bore our sin. That he took the penalty that we deserved. No other God can tell you that. No other religion can say that. They can say, hey, we sacrifice to the gods, but they can never say we sacrifice to God. You see, and then Jesus suffered and was tempted. You see, the judge, Jesus, was judged by mankind to be a criminal. No other God can say that. You see, no other God put himself in the shoes of the criminal, of the sinner. But Jesus did. Jesus was also tempted. He was tempted. That means that when you sin and you say, well, I sinned, and, you, and let's say you try to talk to Allah. Allah does not understand you. He doesn't care for you in your temptation. These Buddhist guys, these Hindu guys, they're all distant. They're all so much better, so much more superior, even though they themselves are going to be judged. They themselves are wicked. They themselves sin. Yet Jesus, who was without sin, was tempted with every temptation known to man, but he did not sin. So Jesus is different as judge. He's not a judge that does not care, that is just passing laws, but Jesus is the judge that came to know how we are, to know who we are, to actually experience our experience. Jesus can relate to mankind. That's why he's unique as a judge. At the same time, even though he bore our sin, he took the penalty. Even though he suffered, even though he was tempted, Jesus will judge the earth. A lot of people have an issue when they see the Bible talk about how Jesus is given authority. Jesus was given splendor. Jesus was given majesty. But in order for him to come and bear our sin, in order for him to suffer, he had to relinquish that. He had to put it aside. And as a human, he lived perfectly. So with Jesus, he's the one that beats the case, right? Christianity isn't offering you escape from suffering. It's offering you a different view of suffering. See, Jesus suffered. God himself suffered. Christians like to ask, why did God take away my family member? Why did God put me through this? Why did God put me through that? And these are reasonable questions. But what is God's answer? Not like the other gods of the religions. Well, they'll say, well, sacrifice to me and I'll do good things for you. Jesus becomes a man and he suffers with you. That's the solution. That's the difference between every religion is that Jesus suffers. He suffers. He is not without suffering. He's called the man of sorrows. This should blow your mind. This should make you think. You complain about so many things that no need to be complained about. You seek so many things that are worthless. God himself humbled himself. God humbled himself. He was able to say, I'm going to suffer. With joy, he approached the cross. With joy, he went to the cross. He suffered. He suffered, and he will judge the earth. If we can go to 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, you see, Jesus will judge us. Everyone will be judged by Jesus. Say, everyone. 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 You're a Christian. 
You're a Buddhist. You're a Muslim. You're a Jew. You're an atheist. Every single one of us will appear before God in judgment. Because we know this earthly tent is being destroyed. If we could scroll down a little bit more. We know that this earth is going to pass away. Where we are is no longer going to be how it is. This body is dying as we speak. So, therefore, we are confident. Know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. And I say this. And would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. That's Paul speaking. So we make it our goal to please him. Everybody say, please him. Whether we are at home with the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. Everybody say, judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. You got to understand. Everyone is going to be judged for what they've done in this body. A lot of people think they can just sin and then ask God for forgiveness, then sin again, ask God for forgiveness, and sin again, and then ask God for forgiveness and do this until they die and expect no consequence. I'm telling you, there's scriptures in the Bible that say there will be people that barely make it through the fire. You will barely make it past the judgment because you lie. You will barely make it to heaven because you steal, because you cheat, because you murder in your heart, because you lust in your heart. You will barely make it because you don't acknowledge who God is. You don't fear him. You will barely make it. And then here's the thing. If we go to Matthew 25, this is how it's going to look because it's, he's not just judging. Really here is speaking about Mostly Christians, right? Everyone's going to appear, but Christians, you're going to be rewarded, or you're going to get what's due for your good and your bad. But now this is when Jesus is talking about the bad and the good. And I love how he talks about it because that makes it different than any religion as well. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. That's the judgment seat. That's, that's where Jesus is at. All the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations. And he will separate the people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then it no longer speaks, Jesus is no longer speaking to himself as the son of man. He says now then the king will say on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you the creation of, since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then he says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you when you were hungry? When did we feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When, did, when were you a stranger and we invited you in? When? And he says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say on those to the left, depart from me. Everybody say, depart from me. You who are cursed. Into the eternal fire. You see, a lot of people don't like to say hell is real. They like to say Jesus was speaking metaphorically. There will be no one that is not saved. Everyone will be saved. Listen, these people ain't saved. These people don't receive what God has for them. These people don't receive the love that God has. 
Instead, they're departed from. And it says right here, into the eternal files prepared for devils and angels. Because you see, Jesus didn't create hell to send people into it. It was for the devil. And it was for angels. You see, there's a reason why, and you look at people, there's a reason why when suicide happens, it doesn't just happen to one person. It happens to a bunch of people. It's a psychological wonder how when things happen, all of a sudden there's a domino effect. When you walk into a place and you feel different, there's a, there's a density in the place. It's because there are spiritual powers in this world. The devil and his angels are real. There are demons in this world. And it's not like the pitchforks and everything. It's not like that. They try to make a cartoon out of it. But it's the things that we worship. It's the things that we honor, the things that we give reverence to instead of God. It's the deceiving things of this world. So you have to understand that's what hell was created for. It wasn't created for any of you. But yet we decided to follow them. And he says basically what they did, you didn't do. What they did, you didn't do. And they will answer the Lord, when did we see you when you're hungry? When, 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 did we, when did we see you thirsty? When did we see you needing something, Lord? And he says, I tell you, whatever you did, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away for eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You see, there is a judgment for both the shepherd, the sheep, and for the goats. There is a judgment for those who follow and for those who do not follow. There is a judgment. But what is the difference? If I can have Melanie come up, please. What is the difference between those who don't follow and those who do follow? What is the difference? What is the difference? One is a sheep and one is a goat. One belongs to the Lord and depends on him. One is resistant to the Lord and doesn't need him. The goat doesn't need a shepherd. The goat is, is resistant. The goat is stubborn. The, shepherd understand, the sheep understands the shepherd loves him. So you see, in this judgment, the people who will be called righteous are the ones who belong to the Lord. The ones who depend on the Lord. It, it, it doesn't go straight away to if you've done what's right, if you've done what's wrong, if you've done this. No, it starts off with this. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to the king? Are you one of his? Are you one of his? Does he know you? Do you know him? That's what it comes down to. And I tell you right now, you can know whether you know him if you want to know him, if you desire to know him. If there's no desire to be with the shepherd, to know the shepherd, to listen to the shepherd, to walk with him, then you don't know the shepherd. Then you don't know this Jesus. If you don't want to walk with Jesus, if you don't want to talk with Jesus, if you don't want to end up looking like Jesus, then you probably don't know Jesus. And when that day comes, he will separate you. And he's not going to put you with the sheep. He's going to put you with the goats. And I'm afraid on that day, a lot of you are going to be like, man, dude, I thought that person was going to make it. I thought that guy was good with God. I meant, I thought, I thought that dude was right. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, wait, hold up. I'm with the dude who does drugs. I'm with the, I'm, I'm with the dude who, 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 uh, who lies and steals. I know these people. These people are wrong. Then you're going to see the people that you right, led to the Lord maybe. The people that you brought to church. You see, you don't understand this, but you, if you don't belong to Jesus, judgment for you is going to be a horrible thing. Judgment for you is going to mean eternal punishment. 
Understand this now. If you don't know Jesus, you will burn in hell forever. That is the eternal punishment. What other religions like to do is they like to maybe soften it. And the reason why they have to soften it is because it's not clear who's saved or not in their religions. It's not clear. So they're like, man, we don't really know if you're going to get saved. It's really up to God, so let's just hope there's a purgatory. Let's just hope maybe you reincarnate. Because we don't really know who's going to hold you accountable. But no, the issue is in Christianity, we know exactly who's going to hold you accountable. It's going to be the perfect, blemishless, the perfect lamb, the one who has never sinned. He's stainless. He's pure. That's who's going to judge you. That's who's going to judge you. And it's going to be almost like in that day looking in a mirror that's clean, right? Because right now I want to let you know some of you have been looking in a dirty mirror. You look at yourself, you don't see what's really wrong with you. You look at yourself, you don't see the pimple that's there. You look at you, you don't really see you're actually, you know, like you got the unibrow connected, you know what I'm saying? You're dripping boogers, right? You got mocos coming everywhere. You got eye boogers and everything. You don't see that you're crusty. But on that day, you'll see who you really are. On that day, it will be looking like at a clean mirror. You'll see all your, all your sin right there. All the sin that you did not let Jesus cleanse you and save you from. Because the beautiful thing about this God, this judge, is that he doesn't want you to perish. He's not full of hate. He's full of compassion. So this God wants to save you, not send you to hell. He didn't create hell for you. He created he created hell for the demons that tried to mislead you. If I can have the altar workers come up, please. If we can go to Hebrews chapter 9, 24 to 28 in closing. Listen, a lot of gods, a lot of religions talk about judgment, sin, and suffering, but nothing can offer you what Jesus offers you, which is freedom from sin, a washing of sin. No other God will be with you in the suffering. Here's the truth. Here's the reality of it all. We all suffer in this world. Whether you want to believe in God or not believe in God, you're still going to suffer. That's the crazy thing. Is that the person that may be in this room that walks out saying, I'm not going to follow God, you're still going to suffer. The person that says, man, God doesn't care for me. If he did, why would I go through all these things? You're still going to go through those things. That's the reality of it. Sin brought suffering into the world. But there's a judge who's going to make all things right, starting with his people, starting with y'all, starting with me. If you could all stand, please. This is what Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 28 says. For the Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself not to appear before God in his presence nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again and again. The way of high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would not have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once. Everybody say once. For all sin. He has appeared once for all the culmination. That means all of the adding on of the ages. That means all the sin of the world. He's died once. His sacrifice was enough for all sins. His one sacrifice was enough for all sins. Every sin you've committed, he sacrificed himself for that. Just as people are destined to die once. Everybody say once. 
and after that face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see, if you're in this place right now and you're saved, this is what you're waiting for. This is what you're waiting for, for Jesus to appear the second time. For him to make all things right. The Bible says that for those that are persecuted, right, he's going to give a crown of glory. For those that are full of tears, he's going to wipe away your tears. For those that are mourning, you're going to rejoice. For those that are poor, you'll be given the earth. For those that are meek, you shall inherit it. For those that are the peacemakers, you will be called the children of God. Those are persecuted. You are blessed. See, it's an upsound. It's, it's, it's a different type of thing. Jesus wants you to understand that if you suffer in this world with him, if you suffer in this world with him, if you say no to sin, when it comes on judgment day, you will rule and you will reign with him. That's what the gospel is saying. That's what Jesus was saying. It's not about just going to heaven, having flying things on your back. That's not what it's about. It's about Christ fulfilling his promises. You want a lot of things in this world. If you live for those things, you'll get nothing when Christ returns. But if you live this one life that you have, when you die that one time and you face God in judgment, you'll be given, you'll be rewarded. So this is what you can do if all, uh, if all heads could be bowed, all eyes could be closed. This is as simple as you can do. This is, this is all you have to do, right? Humble yourself. Become a sheep. Become a sheep. A sheep knows nothing from the shepherd. A sheep knows nothing from the shepherd. Become a sheep. Humble yourself. Please, God. That is the altar call. If you want to do that, come up to the altar. If you don't want to do that, stay at your seat. It's as simple as that. I want... You guys to understand where you're at. If you want to please God, if you want to be a sheep, you want to belong to the shepherd, then just do that. That's it. Humble yourself. Submit yourself to Jesus. Become a sheep. There's nothing to it. Leave your pride. Leave your sin. Leave your life. And pick up Christ instead. That's it. That's it. Stop following your feelings. Stop being deceived by this world. Trust in Jesus. He wants to save you. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to depend on him and him alone. What are you waiting for? You're still going to face sin in this world. You may think that you won't have to face sin if you stop believing God. Listen, you're still going to sin. You're still going to know you sinned. How many times have you done something wrong and known you've done something wrong without going to the Bible? You still are going to face sin. You think by not believing God or or walking away from God, you're not going to have to suffer anymore. You're still going to suffer in this world. That's still going to come to you. I'd rather do it with God. I'd rather do it with the one who suffered for me. You want to escape judgment? You want to find out at the end of your life whether this judge was true or not? You be my guest. You be my guest. 
you want to challenge God, if you want to say, God, I don't trust you, I don't think you're going to judge me, live your life in sin, see how it goes. But me right now, I want to be a, she- I want to be a sheep to the shepherd. As Melanie sings, you can come up for prayer if you want to give your life to the Lord. If there is a sin that you're holding on to, the word was already given. Stop being lukewarm. Because if you're, not, if you're trying to be that middle ground, it doesn't matter. Christ is still going to separate you from right to left. He's still going to be able to identify whether you're a goat or a sheep. You're either against him or you're for him. There's no middle ground here. Some of you in this place, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. God, if we can stop the music, if you can just play the guitar for a little bit. Some of you guys just don't get it. God is going to judge you for your sin. For your sin. If that does not put the fear of God in you, then you're dead. You're dead. And I want to let you know you can be brought to life if you repent. That should be a sign to you. If that does not put the fear of God in you, if that doesn't say, man, I got to check my heart. If that doesn't cause you to do that, I want to let you know you are dead in your sins and transgressions. You are separated from God. You are alienated from God in your mind. You don't know God. If saying, hey, you're going to be judged by God puts a check in your heart, like, hey, let me see what's wrong Let me make sure that I'm, the Bible says to examine yourself. Let me make sure I'm living right and praise God. But I'm telling you right now, I know a lot of you, you ain't living right. And yet you come here and every day you're offered a chance. The gospel is preached. That means right now you're rejecting it. And every time you reject the gospel, I want to let you know, you will be reminded of that in judgment. When you rejected the least of these, you're like, I don't got to listen to Joe B., why? Joe B. don't, he's not even, he's just some dude who lives in the basement. He's just some dude that is broke. Look at his shoes. Look at how he dresses. Look at him. I'm not going to listen to him. I'll listen to this guy right here on Instagram. I'll, I'm not going to listen to TJ. What? He's like 22. I'm not going to listen to Will or Malia. I'm not, not going to listen to these guys. What do they know? You did not listen to the least of these. I want to let you know you did not listen to Jesus. You think that you're rejecting us when you reject the gospel. Well, you're rejecting Jesus himself. And I want to let you know that's going to be included in judgment. All your mockery, all your, all, all your mockery of the word, all your mockery of what is righteous, that will be thrown back into your face. How you mocked God's law, how you spat at it. The same way you rejected God is the same way he's going to reject you. This ain't karma, this is judgment. It's no random universe. This is God who is perfect, who's saying, I sent my son to die for people. And if they reject him, I will reject them. Simple as that. 
But some of y'all don't get it. Y'all need to repent. You need to repent of your sin. You need to repent of your irreverence. You need to repent of your apathy. You are a sinner going straight to hell if you don't repent today. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about when you get older. Do you understand that people are dying at a young age every day for the last thousands of years? Your life was never promised and your tomorrow was never promised and it never has been. This ain't no cute playing church. This ain't it. When people start coming to your house, when they start coming to your parents' house, when they start coming to you and they start saying you're a homophobic, you're a bigot, you're a racist if you believe in Jesus, I know, all, I know half of you. You're going to run with the tail between your butt. You're going to dip. You're going to be just like Peter. Why? Because you're not a sheep. You're a goat. When all of a sudden sin comes your way, this is what you do. You, you instead, instead of saying, man, I'm going to run to God, you run right to that sin because you're a goat. I don't want you to do that anymore. Then you're going to talk about your suffering. You're going to talk about your depression, your suicidal thoughts. You're going to talk about all that, but you're denying the one who can save you from that. How foolish is that? And you think this is harsh. You know I don't do this often. It's just looking at your faces is painful. Looking at your faces, your expressionless faces, some of you, where you don't care about the gospel is painful. But then you come back after going and you wonder, hey, why haven't I changed? Simple as that. You're, you're prideful. You refuse to humble yourself. I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. If you want prayer, you can come. But if you want to head to the foyer, you can go. But get right with God. Stop playing games. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, because your word is true, God, and will not return void. Lord, we know, God, that you will judge us. You will judge myself, Lord. Help me, God. Help me to live a life, Lord, that is pleasing to you, God. Help our leaders live a life that is pleasing to you, God. Lord, I pray that these youth would not just look at you as some religion, God, and look at you as some meaningless paperweight calling, Lord, but they would see you for who you are, the worth, the worthy lamb that was slain. I pray that they would praise you for what you're worth, God, and that they would know you for themselves, Lord. Be with them in this time. Be with them throughout their week. Remind them of this word. I pray that your spirit would follow them, Lord, would convict them, that they would not be able to leave you, Lord, without that conviction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.